good morning. Good morning. It's always a uh, special blessing uh, for my wife Donna and I uh, to be with you and to see what God has been doing uh, here at my church over all these years. And uh, what an exciting day. Twenty-five people being baptized in one day. Jeff, there, there are some churches that don't baptize 25 people in a year. In fact, unfortunately, there are a few churches that haven't baptized 25 people in 20 years. Uh, and uh, you're going to get to see, we saw a bunch of them in the first service, you'll get to see a bunch more in this service. Uh, the series that you've been in, Freeway, uh, the whole idea is God in the power of His grace, when He saves us, sets us free to experience all that He has for us in life. But when I think about highways and freeways, nothing is more frustrating uh, than when something blocks the road. Uh, whenever we drive down here from Atlanta, I calculate the miles, I calculate the speed limit, I try to determine how fast can I get there. Can I do it in an hour and a half? Can I do it in an hour and 15 minutes? Can I do it without getting a ticket? Uh, what all? There's always that guy out there by the mulberry exit picking people off. Uh, but you know how that works. But uh, there's nothing more frustrating than when you've calculated what you think is going to be the time, and then there's, a, there's an accident, there's construction, uh, there's a road barrier, there's something that slows you down. And uh, our message today is on the importance of forgiveness, because sometimes even though we know in our minds we're forgiven by the grace of God, uh, it's difficult to receive that forgiveness, and it's really difficult sometimes to give that kind of forgiveness. So if you have your Bible with you, uh, take it and turn to the Gospel of Matthew, to chapter 6, and we'll talk first of all about the prayer of forgiveness. In Jesus' message that we call the Sermon on the Mount, it goes up on a big hill. I was there last April, uh, videotaped uh, an entire message on the Sermon on the Mount. I'm just going to take out a little piece of it this morning, because in that message where Jesus is teaching through Matthew 5, 6, 7 uh, about what it means to have a heart for God, what it means to really know the Lord and live for God. He's talking to a generation of his own people who were hung up in all the rituals and the routines of religion, but who often didn't have a heart for God. And in the middle of that, he taught them how to pray. Uh, most of us call this the Lord's Prayer. It's in Matthew, the sixth chapter, uh, beginning in verse 9. Uh, this is how he taught them that they should pray. Our Father in heaven. Now, the uniqueness of that phrase is that you do not find it in any other religion. Nobody in the ancient world referred to God as our Heavenly Father. Not in Buddhism, not in Islam, not in Hinduism, not in any religion did they ever have a relationship with God in which they thought of God as their spiritual Heavenly Father. But Jesus taught His disciples to pray, Our Father in heaven. Hallowed or holy be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Uh, give us this day our daily bread, etc. But then look at verse 12. Forgive us our debts or our sins, our obligations, as we also have forgiven 
our debtors. Forgive us as we also forgive those who have wronged us. In other words, those who have been forgiven much by God ought to be willing to forgive much in turn. And then he said, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. When we do not receive forgiveness and we are incapable of giving forgiveness, we're vulnerable to temptation. We're vulnerable to allowing the hurt, the pain, the disappointments of life to rob the joy, set up the barrier on the freeway of life, and we never get to the final destination effectively because we're bound by the bitterness, the anguish, the disappointment of life itself. In fact, he goes on to say, for if you do not forgive men uh, their sins against you, your heavenly Father will not forgive you. If you forgive, He'll forgive. If you don't forgive, He won't. Now that's a strange verse. Because we understand that salvation is a free gift of God's grace. We don't earn it. So it's not like I say, God, I'll be real forgiving so I can get forgiven. But his point is, if you've really been forgiven, then forgiveness ought to be the evidence of that. It's just like the baptism that we'll have later over in this tank. The baptism doesn't save people. It's the evidence of the fact that they've been saved. Uh, that they're willing to follow the Lord in that manner. Uh, it's a testimony of what's happened in their heart. So giving forgiveness is a testimony of the fact that we have been forgiven by the power of God. Now, sometimes that doesn't come easily. Uh, being a grandparent, I have fun watching the Murphy kids uh, because you never have to guess what they're thinking. They will tell you. They're very expressive. If they're happy, they're real happy, bouncing off the walls. If they're angry, they're real angry. Uh, if they're uh, mad at each other, they're really mad at each other. Uh, there's no guesswork as to what's going on. They will let you know. So mom and dad intervene. They try to calm down the problem. Tell your sister you're sorry. Sorry. Uh, it's not exactly from the heart. Uh, it's from the mouth. It's not exactly from the heart. Give your sister a hug. Ah, you know, it's about as minimal as you can get. But they're trying to teach them the right thing. Now, that's what God's trying to do for you and me, to teach us how to forgive from the heart because we have been forgiven. So if we're going to pray, our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name, your kingdom come, your will be done, forgive us our debts even as we forgive our debtors or those who trespassed against us, then if we're going to pray that genuinely, and it's not just praying words, but it comes from the heart, then it needs to come from a forgiving heart. You have a command to forgive and an example that's given to us in Matthew the 18th chapter. Same gospel, Matthew 18. Jesus is telling a story here about a man who owed a huge debt and could not pay it. Uh, as the story begins uh, in Matthew uh, 18, verse 21, Peter came to Jesus and said, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? I mean, that'd be really good, wouldn't it? 
I mean, seven times this guy wronged me, hurt me, disappointed me, failed me, betrayed me, whatever. Should I forgive him up to seven times? And Jesus said, I don't say seven times, but I say unto you until seventy-seven times. Or some translations put it, seventy times seven. That's four hundred and ninety. Now, he doesn't mean you keep a lifetime list. Seventy-seven, seventy-eight, all right, pow, right in the mouth. Ah, uh, that's not the point. The point is, you learn to be forgiving that many times, it becomes a habit of life. And then he told this story. He said, there was a person who owed the king a debt of 10,000 talents. A talent was a weight of money in those days. 10,000 talents would be today like a million dollars. Let's say this. He owes the king, not just anybody, the king, a debt of a million dollars. But he doesn't have the money to pay him. So the king orders that he and his wife and his children be sold into a debtor's prison to work off the debt. Well, an entire lifetime wouldn't be enough to work off the debt. So the man threw himself at the feet of the king, begged for mercy, and said, Give me more time, and I'll pay the debt. Enough time's not going to get the job done. The king was moved with compassion and not only decided to give him more time, he forgave the debt, canceled it. What an incredible gift of forgiveness. And yet the story goes on to say the same man left forgiven, but he had a fellow servant that owed him a hundred denarii. Uh, that was uh, coins back in those days. We'll simplify it and just call it a hundred dollars. It's actually less than that. He'd owed a million dollars and was forgiven a million dollar debt, but his friend owed him a hundred dollar debt. And Jesus said he took him by the throat and shook him and said, pay me what you owe me, or I'm going to throw you in jail. And the man fell at his feet and said, I don't have time. Give me more time, ah, and I'll pay the debt. I can't pay it. And he would not. Sad words. When word got back to the king what he had done, the king called in that servant and says to him at the end of the chapter, Oh, you wicked servant. I canceled that debt because you begged me to. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant, even as I have had mercy on you? And in anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he would pay what he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Those are some of the toughest words Jesus ever says. In other words, what He's saying is, if you've really been forgiven a lifetime of sins, the million-dollar debt, I mean, think of it. If you just did three wrong things a day, three times a day you lost your temper, uh, you got frustrated, uh, you told a lie, uh, some of you did that already this morning. You got up to go to church, to get spiritual, to, to hear about God, and you got mad at each other before you ever left the house. 
hurry up, we're going to be late. I told you to hurry up and get those kids ready, and they're not ready. And now Susie fell in the bathtub dressed. Uh, now what are we going to do? Ring her out. Uh, stick her out the window, dry her off on the way there. Uh, we'll be all right. Uh, we're all mad, and you're yelling at each other all the way here. And then you got out of the car, and you walked in the church, and you ran smack into Jeff and said, uh, well, hi, how you doing? Oh, Pastor, just fine. Nice to see you. That's a lie. Uh, you about killed each other on the way here. Now, add that up. Day after day after day, we owe the million-dollar debt. And Jesus loved us so much, He went to the cross, took our debt upon Himself, took the judgment of God against that sin, took the wrath of God against that sin, and died in our place. That's grace. That's the love of God. That's a Savior who loves you like nobody will ever love you, who cares like nobody will ever care for you, who took it all upon himself and said, I'm not just going to give you more time to try to work your way to heaven because you're never going to make it. I'm going to cancel the debt. I'm going to forgive you and set you free. Now, two things happen at that point. For some of us, We've made so many mistakes, it's hard to believe that He would forgive us. And so for some of us, forgiveness means I've got to accept the gift of forgiveness. Uh, It's like sometimes when you give somebody a Christmas present, and they go, oh, you shouldn't have. Oh, I don't deserve it. Oh, I should never have it. Oh, I can't take it. You know, I feel like saying, fine, give it back then. Ah, you know, come on. Take it or leave it. (laughs) Now, for some of us, It's coming to the point of saying, okay, I know you love me, I know you're willing to forgive me, and I'm willing to receive that gift by faith. For some of us, we'll receive it, but then we don't want to turn around and give it. It gets real hard to give it back to somebody else. And we come up with all kinds of excuses for not forgiving that. Uh, One of the excuses is uh, pride. I was right, and he or she was wrong. So why should I forgive them? They were wrong. I was the one who was right. Or anger. I'm too upset to forgive. I know I ought to forgive, but you really made me mad, and I'm really upset, and I'm just not going to forgive her. You end up like one of the kids. Tell your sister you forgive her. I forgive you. Uh, Tell her that you love her. I love you. Uh, Etc. But it's not from the heart. The anger is the blockade on the freeway of life. Or for some of us, it's fear. If I forgive, I'll get hurt again. You've let me down so many times. You've hurt me so many times. I've forgiven you so many times. I don't know if I want to forgive you one more time because I don't want to get hurt. For some of us, the excuse is our own feelings. Well, I just don't feel like it. The feeling's just not there. Sometimes we have to do what's right And if we do what's right, then we'll feel better about it. If I sit around waiting until I'm going to feel good about it, I might never get there. And for some of us, it's just plain self-righteousness. We're thinking they don't deserve it. Uh, Why should I forgive them? Look at what they did and how terrible and how awful it is. Several of you uh, know the story of Christy's sister, our other daughter, Linda and her family that was hit by the drunk driver several years ago. On a Sunday night after I'd finished preaching, uh, and Jennifer, our granddaughter, sings in the 
high school choir for the first time in her life. She's a cheerleader and a soccer player and a straight-A student and a spiritual kid and loves the Lord, but she never sang before. It was the very first time she sang in a choir, and that night on the way home, they were hit by the drunk driver and nearly killed. Talk about needing to forgive somebody. Let's watch a clip from their appearance a couple of years ago on the Today Show. Now to an amazing survival story of a young girl nearly killed by a drunk driver. She's now inspiring others with her faith and her strength. It's the subject of a new book called Miracle for Jen. NBC's Michelle Franzen is here with her story. Good morning, Michelle. Well, good morning, Jenna. Jen Barrick was just 15 years old at the time of the accident, and no one expected she would survive after suffering a major brain injury. But her family and community rallied around her and described what happened in the weeks and months that followed as nothing short of a miracle. <laughs> At the Barrick home, the simple act of having dinner together means everything. I believe that God has, in a sense, given us a second chance. That second chance came five years ago when Jen, her parents, Linda and Andy, and brother Josh were nearly killed by a drunk driver. His lights were off. He was running from the police, and we didn't see him coming. The day began celebrating Josh's baseball tournament win and Jen's first choir concert. In a split second on the drive home, it would become their worst day. The accident happened on this stretch of road less than a mile from the barracks home. The family was told the driver was going nearly 80 miles an hour at the time and no one remembers what happened next. All of a sudden, I'm waking up and my face is just up against this uh, crushed glass windshield. The entire family sustained life-threatening injuries and were rushed to four different hospitals. Jen wasn't expected to make it through the night. Jennifer had a traumatic brain injury and it was a global injury all through her brain. In the days, weeks, and months when the barracks couldn't care for themselves, family and friends pitched in, using the power of prayer, they say, to cope, hold on to hope, and deal with the anger. That was my little girl. And here's what got me. Jen did nothing to deserve it. Doctors didn't expect Jen to recover at all. She was in a coma for five weeks, and her mom says the times she did respond were not encouraging. We'd see half an eye for a little bit. It wasn't like she just woke up and could talk to us. When Jen finally emerged from the coma, loved ones say she was singing gospel songs and reciting prayers as clear as she had before the accident. Thank you for everything you're doing defying the odds and surprising everyone, including doctors. Jen has learned to walk again, talk, and read. Uh, he chose for us. That's really good. <laughs> In the months before the accident, Jen kept a spiritual journal, writing about wanting to be different and wanting to make a difference. Entries Jen says she now embraces as someone who lived to tell her story. She and her mom lead and speak at prayer groups, and Jen's mom has written a book about their ordeal. I know I'm different, and I'm okay with that. Back at home, dinner has spilled over into a card game. Everyday moments that are now extraordinary. I know it is still hard. We all struggle in different ways, but I feel like it has also, too, bonded us as a family, which I am very thankful for that. 
Jen still struggles with some memory problems, and doctors tell us her progress is slowly continuing. That hasn't held her back, though. Jen is even taking a college course and looking forward, she says, to whatever the future holds. Jenna. What a great story. Thanks a lot, Michelle. Friends, and... Now, imagine being the dad. That's my daughter. Being the grandfather. That's my granddaughter. Nobody would choose that. Nobody. You say, but Ed, they have this great ministry. They travel all over America. Right. They've been on today in Good Morning America and Fox News, and uh, they've been with Johnny Erickson and... Uh, they, they just did a whole thing with James Robinson in Dallas last week. And what a tremendous ministry they're having. God is using them to touch the lives of thousands of people. But if you and I were honest, we would say, use somebody else. I would. Not my granddaughter. Not my daughter's family. Pick somebody else. But God said, no. I'm going to pick them. Because they can handle it, and they can do it. And sometimes things come into our lives that you and I would never choose, but that God allows, and it stretches your faith. It'll test the depth of the reality of the power of what it means to be forgiven and then forgiving. I remember when it first happened. Andy still couldn't walk, my son-in-law. He had three metal plates in his hip, 12 bolts in him. Uh, He later, he learned to run on it. But early on, he was still in a wheelchair. And they finally wheeled him down the hall, moved him into the same hospital where Jennifer was. She was still in the coma, wheeled him in that room, and he was just devastated. And he wanted to kill the guy that ran into him. But Corey was himself in a coma, 26 years old, a worthless life. He had never accomplished one decent thing in his life. He was a drunken alcoholic at 26. He really deserved to die in that wreck, but he didn't. They kept him alive on a feeding tube. His mother's a Christian. She was brokenhearted, prayed her heart out for him, and against all odds, he also survived brain dead. And Jennifer, as she recovered, began to pray, God, help Corey to know that I'll forgive him. Help him to be able to talk so I can talk to him about Jesus. And then she wrote him a letter telling him, I forgive you for what you did to me, what you did to our family that changed everything in a split second. That is the power of the grace of God. That's what it means to be forgiven and be willing to be forgiving. And she had to teach a lesson to all the rest of us when she was the one person who least would have needed to do it, but did it anyhow. And then we turn around and hold the little chintzy $100 sins and wrongs against people because somebody gypped you on a deal on selling your car, Uh, somebody disappointed you at work, you didn't get the raise or the promotion you thought you were going to get or whatever, 
And God wants to say to us loud enough that we can hear it in the depth of our soul, hey, I loved you so much. I went to the cross and died for your sins, rose from the dead. I'm going to give you a home in heaven forever. And you're struggling with the journey on the freeway of life. You've turned it into a meandering sidetrack because you're all upset about something. When I want to set you free to literally go at full speed for the glory of God in your life. Now, the good news is most of you will never be asked to do something as serious as they've been asked to do. But somewhere on the road of life in the years ahead, there will come a crisis. And for some, it'll be a crisis of faith. For some, it'll be a crisis in your family or in your finances. And God will stretch you to say, do you really trust me to take you all the way to heaven? Then trust me to take you all the way down the road of life. Get rid of the excuses. Clear out the barriers. Go full speed ahead by the grace of God. And He gives us the greatest example of forgiveness that we could ever imagine. In Luke 23, verse 34, Jesus, the sinless Son of God, has been beaten to within an inch of His life, nailed now to a cross. He stands up on the nails, pulls Himself up on the spikes, and shouts what? Father, forgive them! They do not realize what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. They don't realize who I am. They don't realize what's going on here. That I have come to die for those very kinds of sins. And in those terrible moments when Peter, his best disciple, would violently deny three times that he ever knew him. Judas would betray him. They would all forsake him. He went to the cross anyhow because he could look down through the corridor of time, down through the halls of history, and he could see you and me and say, they deserve a chance, and I'm going to give it to them. Oh, they don't deserve it in the sense that they've earned it, because they don't. But they deserve it because my grace is so great, my love is so real, my forgiveness is so extensive that I can reach down through time and eternity, touch their lives, forgive their sins, change them, and give them the capacity to forgive that we who have been forgiven much, the million-dollar debt, need to in turn learn how to be forgiving because we have really truly been forgiven. Some people who say, well, I can never forgive, are really saying, I've never really been forgiven. I've never received the grace of God. That's why I can't give it. And yet, the promise of forgiveness is so real in the Bible that in 1 John 1, 9, the Bible reminds us that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to do what? Forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's acknowledging that, yes, I failed. Yes, I am a sinner. Yes, I fall short of the standard of God's glory. But God loves me so much He's willing to offer me forgiveness. How can I turn away and not accept the greatest gift that can ever be given to me? By faith, I receive the gift of forgiveness, and by the grace of God, 
I receive the power to forgive. Who's hurt you? Who's disappointed you? Who's let you down? Uh, got a whole card here with freeway on one side and serious notes on the other side. Real serious notes would be a list. Yeah, my mother-in-law. She never has liked me. Ah, uh, whatever. Now, that wasn't true for me, but for many it is. Uh, my kids don't appreciate my sacrifice that I make for them. My parents are hard to live with. Uh, my brother has always been a jerk. Ah, uh, whatever, whatever, whatever. What if you filled out the list and then held it up to God and said, here's serious notes. Those guys, my boss at work, that jerk. Uh, I got to deal with him every day, five days a week. Uh, and he actually tells me he goes to church <laughs> on that. Uh, I don't see any evidence of it, whatever. Forgive, forgive, forgive. And I came and laid the list down in front of the Lord and said, all right, I can't change these people. You can. But I can let you change me. Give me your grace to enable me to forgive so that I can clear the barrier out of the way and open up the freeway so that I might be able to live and drive, so to speak, by the grace of God to experience the glorious life that I know you have for me. So as we take a minute to pray, ask God to speak to your heart this morning. Let's pray together. Dear God, I pray that you might help us to understand what it meant that Jesus did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. Died in our place, paid for our sin, rose from the dead, and then extends us an offer of forgiveness. And Lord, I pray that some of us this morning might, maybe for the very first time, open our hearts and accept that offer and allow you to forgive us and change us and to become Lord and Savior of our lives. God, I pray that you might touch our hearts, touch our minds. And then, Lord, for many of us who have accepted your forgiveness but are having a hard time forgiving, I pray that you might give us the courage today to be able to extend the kind of forgiveness that would display your grace in our lives beyond our ability but by your power. As we wait in prayer for a moment and you let God speak to your heart. Maybe the Lord's tugging at your heart today saying, today's the day to say yes and accept the forgiveness of God in your life. Those that are going to be baptized in a moment have already done that. They've said yes. The act of baptism is a symbol of their death to the old life, the resurrection to the new life. But at some point, that life's got to begin with the decision to say yes. Maybe God's tugging at your heart today to say it's time to open your heart to the Savior and say yes to Him. And then for many of us, God may be speaking to you today, and you'd say, Ed, I, I realize there's somebody in my life that I need to forgive. I need to clear the wreckage out of the highway, so to speak. I need to get a clear line with me and God. And uh, I'm asking God today to help me to be able to do that. I know I'm a guest, but how many of you have somebody like that in your life? 
uh, that you need to extend some forgiveness to. Would you raise your hand? Just put it up. God bless you. Lots of people. Yes, yes, yes. You nail that down with the Lord right now. Would you do that? Talk to Him. Name the person or the situation, whatever it is, and say, God, give me your grace to show the forgiveness that shows the reality of the gift of salvation you've already given me. And for some who would say, I I just need to accept His forgiveness today, I want to pray for you as well. And I wonder if you wouldn't raise your hand as well and say, Ed, I just today want to say yes to Christ. I accept the forgiveness that He offers me. Would you put your hand up? God bless you. Yes, 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 yes. Father, I pray that you'd see each hand, meet each need, touch each life by the power of your grace. Thank you for a Savior that loves us more than anybody will ever love us, has done for us what we could never do for ourselves. And today we want to respond by giving him the worship of our hearts and lives. For we pray in Jesus' name, and we all said, Amen.